Well, good morning, church, and welcome to the celebration of God's good work here in this place. My name is Andy Maddock, and I'm the lead pastor here at the United Methodist Church of Valencia, and it is a gift to be among you, to celebrate with you. If you are relatively new to the life of this congregation, or if you've maybe only been a couple of weeks like me, you will note that our environment has changed. The aesthetics of our worship service have turned from the beach scene of Come and See to now a new series called New Paseos, and the rocks will have a very important meeting in a couple of weeks for you as we consider who we are and how we share our story. But we are also celebrating back to school this morning. I know that there are parents in the room who feel like you have won because you made it through another summer and get to ship your kids back to school this week. I know there are teachers in the room who are anxious, who have been glad you've kept your kids home all summer and who are now showing up again. I know there are grandparents in this room who love that you no longer have to set this as your rhythm of life. You can watch it on Facebook and from afar and just check in on FaceTime and ask how it went and how do you like your teacher. Today we're going to take the opportunity to do our backpack blessing and to send forward the kids and youth and teachers and administrators of our church with our blessing. Isaac Asimov, a science fiction author but a deep man of deep thoughts, said education is not something that you can finish. We are all learners. And in that spirit I want to talk to you about a sense of intention for the next 48 hours. Things that you can do on purpose to equip the kids of our community, particularly of our church, as they move back to school. The first is the intention of prayer. Be in prayer for the families of our church. I have been blessed to grow up in such a way as to know that there has not been a day where there is not someone who has prayed for me. If all else fails and every one of you forgets, my mama's got you covered. I know, she tells me. But I know that there are kids in our school district, in our schools, who maybe feel like no one has ever prayed for me. Pray for our students, pray for our teachers, pray for the kids of our church. The intention of practice, how you live your life and how you wire your life, is an intent that you can take into, particularly Tuesday morning. Friends, the traffic patterns in your neighborhood will change. Be a people of patience, a people of joy, a people of hope and possibility. And if you have one of our lawn signs in front of your house, don't be a jerk. <laughs> Budget time. Keep your eyes up. Watch for kids who are crossing streets who maybe don't know any better, who are headed into school. This is a season where we on purpose can practice the intent of caring for our community. And then you can take on the intention of learning. Many of you have settled into a pattern of work or retirement or adult living where you have forgot the lesson, the simple lesson that you were taught in kindergarten through 12th grade. I'm not talking arithmetic, I'm not talking spelling, I'm not talking any other fundamental than this. School teaches children that when you repeat a practice and you dedicate yourself to it with consistency, you grow and improve in that task. 
No kid we send out on Tuesday, regardless of their level of education, is equipped to finish that school year, but with the pattern of showing up again and again and being intentional about their learning, they expand their capacity in church. Maybe you need to hear that the same is true for you in your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, your 90s. If you need to deepen your life of faith, your practice of prayer, your understanding of God's Word, your fellowship with another, learn to do it on purpose and then repeat it daily and settle into a pattern. You have my permission to take Saturdays off, but show up to church. With that, let's be in an attitude of prayer. Holy God, in whom we live and move and have our being, we give you thanks for our families, yes, but we give you thanks for the ways in which you're teaching us up as your body of Christ, the ways that you're meeting us on new journeys and new pathways, that you're shaping us to be your people in a new way. We ask that your spirit settle in in this time, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, they might be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, who is our strength and the source of all salvation. Amen. I have been discovering Paseos. This is a map that's provided, I think, by one of the realtor groups uh, of uh, the Paseos in our system. The heart is where our church is located, just across from Henry Mayo Hospital. Those little red lines are all the fantastic Paseos here on the south side of town. I've been using that map, and what I do with my dogs when we go out for a walk is we just go out and we take a turn that we haven't taken yet. Go to the right or to the left, and then we just kind of wander. Some days I do well enough that I can backtrack and actually get home. Other days I take out my phone and say, Google, where am I? Get me home. But it's been fun exploring. Perhaps the beaten path I'm most comfortable and familiar with now is on the back of my bicycle, getting out to the Santa Clarita River, we'll call it together. Um, <laughs> faithful folks who've lived in Santa Clarita a long time came up to me after the service and said, oh yeah, no, I remember. Back in 1984, there was water in that thing. <laughs> We're in a drought, friends river. Um, so I go out and ride up and down that on my bike. I'm experiencing new places of it. It has been great. And the great thing about it is from day one of being introduced to leadership on this church, Mike Barber said, you got to come check out the Paseos on your bike. Come check out the mountain bike paths and the things you can do to get out and to see our town. It's a unique part of who we are. This experience was sewn into me from day one of taking on the responsibility of coming here as your pastor. And the chance to share what you value and what is unique about your place and uncovering these hidden treasures is so much fun. And so when we were looking at a series that talks about the journey that we take as a church together, our worship team settled on the idea that maybe we just be right on the nose and say, we are on a new paseo together. That which is unique about the Valencia community is also true of the Valencia church, that we're setting out on new paths, we're trying new lefts and rights, we're trying to find our way back home and then out into the world again and to experience it. Church, I have a request for you. If you've got a favorite section of the Paseos to walk on, to ride on, Sherry Claus was here on her little knee scooter after a foot surgery. If you've got a scootering that you go on, you have 90 days from today to invite me to journey with you on your favorite section. I'll make the time. Just don't do it when it's 105 like it will be this afternoon. I'll meet you. We'll walk your favorite section. Because here's the truth. As the pastor of this church, I get the gift every week of having you see how I see God and Scripture through my heart and my eyes. 
That's the work of proclamation and preaching. And the only way I'm going to get to know your favorite sections of this community is if we walk them together, heart in heart, and maybe hand in hand, if my wife gives me permission. (laughs) And I get to see the joy you have for this space with your eyes. Let's walk together. See, we're all on a journey, whether we're doing it alone or together, whether we're exploring or we know exactly where we are going. We have to know where you are and where you're headed. I was ready to jump in with this series and talk about some of the things further down. Oh, what do we have to pack for our trip? How do we get from here to there? What happens when we stumble or trip? What does the destination look like? And Pastor Camille said, whoa, whoa. You can't go anywhere if you don't know where you start who you are. And so today we're talking about identity. In the same way that we're going to talk about walking paseos together, we are walking a life in faith, and where you start is your identity and who you are. Anytime you pull up a map on your computer or your phone, it'll tell you where Starbucks is, but the only way that then goes from being a map to a a travel log or a destination or giving you directions is if you know where you're starting. You put in the starting location to get where you want to go, so it is essential for us to know where we are starting. Your phone makes it easy on you because often the first question it asks is, do you want to start your journey from your current location? Oh, that would be lovely. I'd love to know how to get to Starbucks from right here in the pulpit at Valencia United Methodist Church. Wouldn't it be great? If God had provided us ways to kind of open up our lives and our hearts such as we could know, what's my current location? How do I get where you want me to be, God? I wish GPS worked like that for the soul and the spirit, but what I want to talk about is this idea that in our lives, rather than having a phone predict where we are, we have to know where we are, who we are, and how we can get where we are headed together. And speaking of where we're headed, we're going to come to some of that ahead. Do we know where we're going? Do we have a desired destination? Are we on track to get there? What happens when we've wandered in the wrong direction for far too long? What happens when we ignore the signs that say, turn around, road ends, bridge out, no outlet, in not just the journeys we take, but in how we live our lives in God. All of that we'll unpack over the next four weeks. Just a quick word about burning questions that's coming up with that series. There's, a, there's almost a, a slight overlay here because one of the questions you may have is, how do I know where I am and who I am? The hope that Camille and I have for the Burning Questions, the Tough Questions series that follows this one, we're still five weeks from it. It'll actually start on September 11th because I just like softballs. (laughs) Is we want to invite you with, as Terry described, a, a, a level of anonymity if you need it, but to ask your tough questions about God, about how we think about God, about how we think about Scripture, about how the world works in relationship to God, so that we as we begin this journey together, as your pastors can faithfully respond to where the community is. We want to be intentional about asking the question, do we know where we're going and how we're getting there? What are our questions? What are our burning deep questions? We hope you'll take us up on the opportunity to ask those. That being said, we all start from unique locations in our lives and our stories. 
We all have different access points to the Paseos. In fact, some well-meaning member, when I wanted to get onto the Paseos for the first time, said, yeah, just make a right at Avenue Navari and just keep walking and you'll run right into it. I said, that sounds great. So I start to walk and then all of a sudden I realize that it is an underpass. And I go, how do I get down there? <laughs> Took some discovery, but we're good. We're, we're good. And actually, right at the end of our street, like so many of you, we can get right on it. We all start from unique locations in our spiritual journey and it is true of the life of faith that we all begin our journey from a different place. We cannot force another to join us right where we are when it comes to the walk of the journey of faith. It would be inappropriate and insincere and just flat out wrong and sinful for me or anyone else in this church to say this church is only a place for you if you start right where Pastor Andy is or where Christine is or where Terry is. You can't live into the truth that God has from you if you're trying to follow somebody else's map and journey. Everybody's starting location is unique because we are all fearfully and wonderfully made. Our identity is our own. Let's take a look at the Word of God for us, shall we, this morning? Our text this morning is probably somebody's favorite. It was actually on the wall in your video this morning with God of New Creations. It's Jeremiah chapter 29, 11 to 14, and it reads in this way. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. There's such richness in this little passage. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. It is people's favorite section of the book of Jeremiah because it offers this sense that God is in control even when it feels like it is out of your control because God's got plans. And if God has a plan, I can rest and trust in that. And those plans, as it's framed in just that verse, are a beautiful thing. They're plans to prosper and not to harm you. Boy, what a gift that would be to lean into. In a world where it feels like so much is slings and arrows, division and difference, anger and hostility, what does it mean for a God who wants to prosper and not to harm? Plans to give you hope, plans to give you a future. There is such beauty and reverence in the plans that God has for us in Jeremiah's passage that we are often surprised by where that comes from. Because it comes from a place, as God said, where the people are three things, in captivity, banished, and in exile. Those people for whom God has plans of blessing for the future, not to harm, but to prosper, are the same people who are stuck, whose starting location is despair, who are afraid and alone, who have been cast aside, who have had everything they value snatched from them, who have had their homes destroyed and have had the, 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 the stories of their ancestry displaced and blotted out. They're coming from a place of captivity, banishment, and exile, and yet it is a God who has a hope 
for them. Because God knows their starting point. God knows your starting point. Even when you're feeling lost and alone, you have to get to know a God who knows you. If you were singing along, humming along, praying along with our second song this morning, and you wished you had a sense of a God who's who's never, ever lost, you can do all things. Ooh. You can do all things but fail. Right, Carla? Oh. If you're longing to understand that kind of God, this is what we're talking about. That assurance that says a God who knows you, even in the midst of your vulnerability and your brokenness, your struggle and your heartache, is willing to journey with you because God knows your starting point. Your identity is rooted in God. A God who wants to provide you deep connections, not just with community, but indeed with God's self to have you know more. One of my favorite Christian authors is a mystic, a poet, a philosopher by the name of Howard Thurman. He's from last century. Howard lived in the San Francisco area, and Dr. Thurman was interested in an intersection of interfaith issues, intercultural issues, interracial issues. He founded the Fellowship for People of All Faiths in San Francisco, a first-of-its-kind church that was intended to bring together people from interracial backgrounds, interdenominational backgrounds, and here's the scandalous part, interfaith backgrounds, to say, let all who are seeking a common good and a common God come together that we might be a people of prayer. And so Howard is one of my absolute favorite black authors writes poetry, writes song, writes narrative, writes essays, writes deep theology, but I want to share just a snippet of one story today about being rooted in God. He's actually reflecting on a different verse from Jeremiah, but he writes these words. Some years ago, I read the most interesting account in the National Geographic magazine concerning certain trees found growing in the Sahara Desert. These trees are not a part of any oasis, but they stand alone in the midst of the heat and the wind without obvious moisture. It seems that hundreds of years ago, what is now the desert was a dank, luxurious growth. And as the desert appeared, the vegetation was destroyed until at last there was nothing left of the past glory except an oasis scattered here and there. But not all the vegetation disappeared. For there were a few trees that had sent their roots so far down into the heart of the earth in quest for moisture and food that they discovered deep flowing rivers full of concentrated chemicals. Here the roots are fed so effectively that the trees far above on the surface of the earth are able to stand anything that can happen to them at the hands of the desert heat and the blowing sand. This is the secret of those whose lives are fed by deep inner resources of life. To the one who is sure of God, you can do all things but fail. The one who is sure of God, God becomes for them the answer to life's greatest demands and indeed to its most searching and withering vicissitudes. These are the acacia trees in the desert. PBS watchers might notice that there was a special about these trees on last night. This is not a root system that is shallow. This is not a flower planted in your backyard. This is not a succulent sitting on a ledge in your office. The root system of these trees to get it to survive in that desert landscape go down a half a mile. They are rooted 
Get to know a God who knows you. Come to know a God who is sure of you. Come to know a God who has promises for you, plans to give you hope and a future. Because you belong to God. No matter where you're starting, how far you think you've gone away, how well you think you've done on getting to God, you belong to God. You are God's. And there's nothing you can do about it. I woke up like a kid on Christmas morning this Sunday. I was ready to rock. Because we get to do communion together. Now, yes, I was here on the 3rd of July when that guest preacher was here and Pastor Nicole officiated communion, and I did break bread with you. I had communion with you, but my friends, it is now my chance to be a part of telling this story of God being present to us in table fellowship. It is a sacred encounter of God and community to know that a God who knows me and a God who knows you is present in this table fellowship and it equips us to go out from this place to live and to love and to serve. Our story here is of a journey, going out, finding destination. And it's more than just the little paseos that wander through our community. It's about that long haul towards the kingdom of God. And it might feel like it's hard to get out and do that business, to do that work, but the simple truth is, is that communion is the strength we need for the journey ahead. Yes, it's but a morsel of bread and a dip of juice, but it is soul food because it's the bread of life and living water that feeds and sustains us for all we face ahead. Would you join me in a moment of prayer?